Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. We all know that there is a health awareness observance every month of the year. And sometimes, truthfully, to be honest, I lose track, except for the month of November. Of course, when we think of November, we also think of Thanksgiving and the beginning of the holidays and celebrating with family and friends. So it's so appropriate to me that we also celebrate the gift of sight. Hi, you're listening to episode 137 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. National Eye Donation Awareness Month occurs every November as a reminder to give the gift of sight as a registered organ, eye, and tissue donor. But perhaps more importantly, to remind us all how important and precious our vision is in our daily lives. Almost 20 million Americans, or 8% of the U.S. population, have visual impairments. Visual impairments, including blindness, are one of the leading causes of loss of independence among people age 65 or older. I've said it many times, we are so fortunate to be in an area where groundbreaking research is being conducted. And I'm so lucky to be sitting here with three individuals from Eversight, the nonprofit iBank, to tell us about some of the projects they have in the works and how they are helping address the vision impairment issue. First, we have Dr. Ankar Sawant, Vice President of Research and Development, Jessica Ludwig, Senior Scientist of Research and Development, and Madison Castellano, Research Associate and Clinical Recovery Technician. Dr. Sawan, in case some of our listeners don't know, Eversight is so much more than just an iBank. Can you talk about Eversight and your mission? Thank you, Colleen and LifeBank for having us. We are so fortunate to represent Eversight. Eversight is an iBank. We are located in Cleveland, Ohio. That's where our research and development center is. We also have offices in Ann Arbor, Michigan, Chicago, New Jersey and Seoul, South Korea. Besides that, we have operations in Arizona, as well as in New England region around Boston and Connecticut area. So Eversight is an iBank with collaboration with different organ procurement organizations, such as LifeBank. Eversight recovers eye tissues for corneal transplantation. Once the tissue is recovered, we process that for different types of corneal transplantation. Corneal blindness consists of about 10% of overall blindness. The one way that corneal blindness can be cured is by corneal transplantation. So Eversight prepares, procures, and processes tissue for transplantation graft. We also provide tissue for various research projects. We provide all types of ocular tissues for researchers who are 
working towards developing therapies for eye diseases like diabetic retinopathy, age-related macular degeneration, and glaucoma. Uh, we also do research related to eye banking development and corneal transplantation. It all happens at Eversight's Center for Cornea and Eye Banking Research in Cleveland, Ohio. Again, uh, you know, we are so lucky that you are right here in our city because it does affect the community. Eversight provides more than 8,000 graphs for corneal transplantations. And we also provide more than 3,000 ocular tissues for vision research, as well as surgeon training and education. Very impressive. It's so excellent to know that it really has a global impact. Now, I'm going to jump over to Jessica. Can you tell us more about the types of blindness that are common in developing countries and what Eversight is doing to eradicate those? We live in a country without a waiting list for a cornea transplant, but globally, only one in 70 patients receives the transplant that they need. So while we might not experience it here in the U.S., the global need is terribly unmet. In other countries, like in the uh, developing world, chemicals and thermal burns are more common eye injury than they are here. These accidents are likely to damage the stem cells which produce the cells that become the top layer of the cornea. And just like the top layer of the skin, the top layer of the cornea has a very high turnover rate. So that top layer constantly needs new cells to replace those that are falling off. These stem cells are right at the outer edge of the cornea. So we collect them with every cornea that is recovered. But this portion of the tissue is generally trimmed away. So if a patient arrives at the clinic, and does in fact become lucky enough to be one of those one in 70 that does receive a transplant. But if the issue is actually their stem cells, the disease will come back. Eye banks do prepare specialized grafts for these stem cells, but historically, they don't operate the same way as your typical cornea transplant. We're very lucky that cornea transplants don't require long-term systemic immunosuppression, but these stem cell transplants do. And so that's an unusual hurdle for a typical cornea specialist or a cornea surgeon. And so we are working to specialize that graft, just like we have very thin individual layer specialized grafts for the cornea. We're working to make a very thin individualized processed graft for the stem cells that requires less immunosuppression and thus hopefully will have a higher success rate if it's easier for the surgeon and the patient to understand what follow-up looks like. We are now using this data to develop an improved stem cell surgical product so that these patients are getting the same high quality, high precision, and high success rates as the types of transplants that happen here in the U.S. Getting this new service line uh, stable and durable enough to survive the necessary transit time to reach these patients will be an additional challenge, but my background is in regenerative medicine, so I think we'll be able to do it. Overall, thus far, in 2023, we've provided over 3,000 corneas for international surgeons. Our most common countries include our South Korea office, and then Pakistan, Singapore, and Egypt. But we've placed tissue in a total of 30 countries just this year. We also support surgeons that go on mission trips to provide site-restoring transplants. 
We are so incredibly fortunate to live in a country where supply is greater than demand. And that can't be said for any other organ or tissue anywhere else in the world. We are able to share this surplus globally, which both fulfills the donor's wishes and restores sight for someone in need. That's so amazing. Yeah. To me, that's so amazing. It is. It's incredible. It is that somebody here in the U.S. can give this site to somebody all over the world. Yeah. And again, we are fortunate to not have that waiting list for cornea transplants. I, it gives me chills. I always say that donation is the best of humanity. And what more proof, if you will, do you need than sending a cornea halfway across the world and giving the gift of sight? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jessica. Hats off. You're oh, amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. Wow. That's wonderful. So it was mentioned earlier that Eversight provides close to 4,000 tissues for various ocular research projects and surgical training and education. Maddie, can you tell us more about how Eversight archives this? Yeah, I would love to talk about that. So we're very fortunate that we have connections with doctors and researchers and universities all over the world. So our priority is, of course, always going to be placing surgical corneas in the United States first and foremost. But when we do approach families and we always respect their wishes, we ask, are you interested in donating? And are you interested in donating for research and education? And we are always respectful of the wishes of the family. And very often, they're excited to hear that even if a tissue can't be placed for surgery, and that can be for a number of reasons. So some of the things that we look for when we're evaluating a tissue for surgical suitability can be the amount of cells, the overall health of the eye. Are there any eye injuries maybe that could be an issue if it were to be transplanted? And we are very, very strict because, of course, we want to give somebody the best vision possible. So we do sometimes end up with tissues that have been recovered and they're wonderful tissues. They're still a valuable source of information, but they don't quite meet the criteria for surgical use. So our next step when we do that, if we have research and education consent from the family, is to look at some of the projects we're working on. Some of the reasons that we distribute tissue around the world can be for education, it can be for research, to teach doctors how to do eye surgery, it can be to teach residents what to look for in diseased eyes. It can be trying to develop new treatments for eye diseases. It could be trying to develop new surgical techniques or new medicines to treat some of the big diseases like glaucoma, diabetic retinopathy. Um, and we actually can provide a variety of tissues. So a lot of people, when they think of the eye, they kind of just think of a ball, right? And there's not much going on, but that's actually very far away from the truth. So, of course, the cornea is the only thing that can be transplanted from a deceased donor to a living recipient. But there's actually a lot of different structures in the eye. So, one of the big ones that can become very diseased and can affect vision very severely is the retina. And that's actually the back layer of the eye that takes light coming in, turns it into electrical signals that get sent to the brain. And that's how our brain can interpret and see pictures and things. It's interesting that retina is only part of our brain that can be looked with our naked eyes. So when we go to our eye doctor, optometrist or ophthalmologist, they're looking at our retina, which is essentially a part of our brain. So that really mind boggling. Definitely. So when you think of some of the big retina diseases and 
things that can be very impactful to people's vision. Some of those things are age-related macular degeneration, uh, diabetic retinopathy. Um, these diseases, unfortunately, there's not a cure yet. I say yet because that's the purpose of research. We would love you know, to live in a world without blindness, and that's one of our big missions. But we are honored to be able to provide tissue so that you know, maybe someday somebody can discover a cure or maybe find a medicine or train doctors on how to do surgeries for these diseases. So we're really proud that our reach is global and that can be for so many different things from research to education to training. Um, we're very, very fortunate that we are able to work with all of these researchers. Absolutely. And I know in the OPO world, in Life Bank's world, there are organs that we cannot use for transplant. They just don't meet the criteria or the standard. And so we offer that research, especially pancreas. Can you imagine coming up with a cure for diabetes? And that's what these donated pancreas for research go towards. And that is just as life-saving and life-healing as being a, a donor for transplant. I just think research is so understated. And then what an honor for your loved one to be part of that process wanted to say too, we are very honored too that we can fulfill the wishes of the families and of course continue the generosity of the families. And when people consent to research and education too, that is another way we can honor their wishes because not every tissue can meet surgical needs. So when we have families that can reach out to us and we can say, you know, we weren't able to use your loved one's generous donation for surgery but your gift was able to be honored to teach clinicians, doctors, uh, to come up with cures for diseases. And that's something for us as the research team that's always very fulfilling and something that we're honored to do. And we appreciate your work, Maddie. We often get requests from next of kin who want to know what ended up happening with their loved one's donation. And I'm always a little bit worried that they'll be disappointed if it couldn't have been used for clinical use. Uh, but then I write up an explanation for them, like your loved one's corneas went to research and they were used to test a new drug in hopes that there will be a treatment for this disease in the future. So it's a different kind of impact. Do you think, you know, a cornea transplant greatly impacts one individual, but the culmination of a research donation can impact so many more people? You're absolutely right. Dr. Swant, we're going to head back over to you. What do you feel like the future is of the eye banking and corneal transplant industry? From my personal experience, things look really bright, but what's on the forefront and how can somebody contribute towards Eversight and the gift of sight? Uh, great question. When I think about the work that we do um, in corneal transplantation, blindness, uh, donation, Right now, it's one-to-one -one connection. One donor tissue can cure blindness in one recipient. But our body is amazing. It has ability to grow. As Jessica mentioned earlier, in our eye, we have stem cells. They have ability to grow and regenerate the tissue that is not working well. So right now, we are working on technology and different research projects to really understand, can we take these stem cells, help them grow into the lab, and then use those for transplantation? So right now, the big thing I'm 
on our research side is figuring out can we take a tissue and take the stem cells from those tissue, help them grow and help cure blindness in more than one person. So from moving from a model of one to one, one donor to one recipient, to one donor to many recipients, curing many uh, blindness in many individuals. And this is going to impact life of donor families a lot because now the gift that it's not just to the one patient, but it's the gift that will keep on giving throughout the years. Uh, so that's something we are really excited about. As Jessica and Maddie both mentioned, that we are working on a number of research projects that will improve corneal transplantation flow and advance the research. And when we sit together, we think about the project that we're doing, we run into so many setbacks. There are more failures than success that we see on the research side. But then we also look at the technology that's out there for our recipients right now. And those were research projects 10, 15 years behind us. So when we look in the past, the research projects from 10, 15 years ago has become reality now. So that keeps us going, keep working. So our next generation, maybe a decade later or more than that, will have a future therapy that will cure blindness, not just in the United States, but globally where there is more need. So if anybody wants to know more about Eversight as an organization, what we do to cure blindness in close to 9,000 people every year, or they want to know about our research projects, they can go to eversightvision.org slash give and find out about the research project and make a contribution towards those. Beautiful. Is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask? Hi. Yes, I would love to. So as a recovery technician, and I've been doing it for about two years now, very often when we hear from people, I would never want to donate my eyes because, and there's usually a few reasons, and I'd love to talk about those. So one of the primary concerns we hear is that I don't want my face or my appearance to be altered, which I completely understand, especially when you're doing the end of life celebrations or the memorials for the decedent. You know, I totally understand. I would not want my loved one to appear altered in any way, shape, or form. So one of the big things I like to tell people is that quite a bit of our training as recovery technicians is to make sure you can't tell we were there. Um, We take such good care to make sure that we don't alter the appearance of the person that's passed away. And if we notice that maybe there's potentially going to be an altering of the appearance, we stop. We will stop the recovery and walk away from the case if there's any potential that the person's appearance may be altered. Of course, we want to respect people's wishes, but our priority is always making sure that the person who's passed away, we are respecting their honor and their dignity and making sure for their families too that they look exactly as they were remembered. Another big thing we hear too is that you wouldn't want my eyes. I have Coke bottle glasses. Um, And that's actually a very common thing that we hear. And I would love to let people know, for one, visual acuity usually does not play any part in if your eyes are going to be good for transplantation. I've had people say, I have the world's worst vision. That is totally okay. Please still consider donating. Very often what we're looking for is on a cellular level in terms of corneal grafts that are able to be used surgically or We'll often hear, okay, well, I have glaucoma or I have diabetic retinopathy. Why would you want to study my eyes? And the reason we want those donations is that we need diseased eyes so we can understand 
how the disease works to show doctors, okay, this is what this disease presentation looks like. And across different ethnicities, nationalities, we also want doctors to have examples to practice doing things like surgery on so they have a better understanding before they go and practice on patients. So yes, please consider donating and or even just looking into it to try to see the extent of what we can do and how we can honor people's donations. Thank you, Maddie. I think uh, that's an important point. People need to understand that, you know, organ donation, tissue donation, and eye donation, that is one of our priorities is doing it with dignity and making sure you can have an open casket funeral or any other celebration of life you would like. We don't want to harm that patient and we're their families. And so that's very important. I'm glad you brought that up. As I mentioned, this is a post to my heart topic. And I thank you guys for your work. As you put it, we may not see the result of it for a few years, but I look at the process that people go through now for a cornea transplant, and it's so much different than it was 20 years ago and so much more successful. So you guys are on the forefront. You're the pioneers and you're breaking all those stigmas out there and really helping people change their lives every day. So thank you. And we are so happy that you're here and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having us. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.